It is the third hour of First Up here on TSN 1050. Karolnik and Koliakovo with you. The veterinarian Frank Carrado in about 12 minutes time. We'll talk to Javon Shepard. It's been way too long since we've talked to our man Javon. He is part of our Raptors broadcast team here at TSN 1050. It's the Raps and the Sacramento Kings tonight. You staying up late to watch that one, Coco? I'll be up late to watch that tonight. <laughs> not staying up late. I'll be up late. I have to work the top prospects game tonight um, in the CHL, which is going to be a lot of fun. Connor Bedard will be playing in it. So if you want to see Connor Bedard play against some of the best players in his age group and in his draft class, make sure you're tuning into TSN tonight and watch all the CHL's top prospects play together. And it's the all TSN 1050 studio team, too. It's yourself, it's Frankie, it's Julia Tashery, the host of Leafs Launch. What a trio right there, man. That's going to be it, some buddy. compelling content. Gord Miller and Craig Button will be calling that game just after. Uh, is it 10 or 10.30 tonight on TSN? Uh, it's 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock. The pregame right, show is 9.30 with... Uh, uh, Bob McKenzie with his latest rankings. Oh, wow. That is must-see. And our man Cheese, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Coco, but I was talking to Frankie. Our man Cheese is a WHL prospects analyst. Like, he writes rankings and stuff. Cheese, turn Jeez? your mic on. I mean, are you aware Get of this? Like, you, need to, you need to consult him based on his knowledge, intel of the Western Hockey League. Uh, I got an opportunity to do a bit of writing for Dauber, uh, Dauber Prospects, uh, so I jumped on that. I love doing writing, and uh, it's been really fun. Yeah, I've been focusing on the teams out west. So you're currently doing this right now? I've dialed it back a little bit with, uh, you know, producer responsibilities, <laughs> my other job, but uh, I'm definitely still grinding away at it for sure. Yeah. Okay, so give me an idea. I mean, who are, who who have you made notes about? I mean, obviously there's Connor Bedard. The guy's having an incredible season. He's going to be the the consensus number one overall pick. But what, what other top prospects have you been focused on? I like Andrew Cristal. He's played really Cristal. well. He's a yeah, he plays for the Kelowna Rockets. Uh, he's shifty. He's got uh, good offensive upside in terms of passing and scoring. Probably needs a bit of work away from the puck, but uh, having a nice year. He's got 26 goals, 36 games. I think Bob McKenzie has him ranked inside the top 20, if I remember wow. correctly. So I could definitely, I could see him uh, climbing the ladder as a season. I don't see him in game. this game though tonight. Well, it's the oh, isn't it? That was the CHL top prospects game. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, question. Maybe is he you know, in, I don't know where is he in the uh, top prospects is. game. Crystal. I don't know. I don't know. I love Crystal. Andrew Crystal, <laughs> not so much. But Crystal Champagne. Oh, it doesn't get any better than that. So one day in the not too distant future, Bob McKenzie will be like, "All right, it's time to pass my top rankings list to Interesting. Cheese Cheeses." Cheese. How are you letting me know this now? Like. I, I, this you buried the lead, dude. Like you knew I was doing the top prospects team. I was spending yesterday calling coaches and GMs and yeah, scouts, and you should have been calling you. Jeez. I actually had Frankie reach out a couple of days ago. Uh, he he wanted a couple of details on a couple of players. There we I go. was unfortunately sleeping because oh, I had just finished this show. Wow, a conversation <laughs> nice. with Frankie is a difficult one to pass up. We'll have yeah. one, Coco. You and I in about. He 10 normally minutes, he huh? normally puts you to sleep when you talk to him. So now Frankie is a very enthusiastic, uh, affable fella, and he will be part of. Uh, the D to D segment here on First Up in about uh, ten minutes time. I mentioned the Raptors kicking off a seven game trip in Sacramento tonight, and I don't know what's happened with regards to this team as far as the leaks go. 
But, I mean, in the last 24 hours, I mean, there was a report from a prominent broadcaster that OG Ananobi wants out of Toronto. I don't know how legitimate that one is. There was also a report from the Toronto Star that the Raptors were offered three first-round picks for OG Ananobi in the past from a mystery team. And there was the confirmed report that Fred Van Vliet has parted ways with his agent. So mm-hmm. I don't know if the Raptors and the media, everyone's trying to dig as deep as possible before they embark on this road trip out west. But a lot of stuff surrounding this team in the last 24 hours. And much like we talked about with Dave Poulin about tanking in the NHL, I mean, the NBA, it's the exact same thing. The San Antonio Spurs, before the season, they made it abundantly clear. We are not winning basketball games this year. Who wants DeJounte Murray? All right, Atlanta, give us a bunch of draft picks. The Rudy Gobert deal. And, you know, you think about what what the Raptors could do. Let's say they do decide to move OG Ananobi and bring in three first-round picks. I don't know how, how likely that is, but all of a sudden, if they were to trade Trent and Van Vliet and Ananobi... Man, they would be horrible, and they're already a terrible basketball team. <laughs> so it's you're right, it's teetering right there for the Raptors, and it's not just Wenbenyama. He's not the singular focus because as good as he is and will be in the NBA, you have the Scoot Henderson kid, Coco, who is going to be a superstar as well, and he's going to go number two. And then there's still some dudes, three, four, five, six, that could be really quality contributors for you. And, you know, it's a quick turnaround. And if you're not going to sign Gary Trent long-term, you're not going to sign Van Vliet long-term, and OG Ananobi, you can get three firsts for him. Like, I don't think yeah. you want to go full Oklahoma City Thunder here. That's not what I'm advocating for. And if you have Siakam, you have Scotty Barnes, that's your foundation. You know, you can build a lot of things around that, and maybe that's the path they go down. You know what bothers me about the current sports conversations that people are having when it comes to talking sports in the middle of a season you can say it about the NFL, the, the NBA, you can say it about the NHL, is we spend more time talking about draft picks in the middle right. of a season. This year more so than in both It's in both sports. Like, you know, we spend more time talking about the Raptors and what they should be doing for next year's season. We spend more time talking about hockey, thinking about what teams should be doing for next year's season. Like, how is that good for sport? When the season is only half, not even halfway done in the one that we're watching right now. I will say, as soon as the trade deadline passes, those conversations taper off a little bit, right? I mean, it's really just you. Do they? Well, they do, because the the concept of tanking, at least for the Raptors in, in particular, hinge, at least in part, on their ability or willingness to actually trade these guys before the deadline. Like, you know, if you're trading OG Ananobi for three first round picks, you are going full tank mode here. Siakam, ooh, looks like your knee is barking a little bit, buddy. Take yeah. a seat for two weeks. That's the type of mode you go into, and that's kind of what they did in Tampa, right? Remember Lowry at the end of that season down in Tampa? Didn't, I don't think he played for the last three weeks, no. even though he was basically fully healthy. They yeah, wanted he was working to tank. on his golf game. He was working on his golf game, and I, I respect that Im- immensely. So uh, it's a very interesting spot the Raptors find themselves in. Um, they've got basically, what, just under two weeks until the trade deadline, and things are really heating up. I don't know what this agent change means for Fred Van Vliet, but we will ask Javon Shepard about that. He'll join us in about 20 minutes. Uh, Frankie Corrado will join us on the other side. We talked about this earlier, how all the NHL awards are, are almost decided Right? right, I mean, the Hart Trophy, McDavid's winning that. Art Ross, Rocket, probably McDavid as well. The Vezina, Linus Allmark, 
You have the Norris Trophy. Like Eric Carlson's got to be a lock for that, barring something completely obscene. That's not particularly good for the NHL either. So yeah, it just seems like, like the, a lot of the storylines that you would want in a season are are not focusing on what it is you're watching in the moment. It's mm-hmm. it's it's you know you talk Great. about the the awards, you talk about the the draft and the tanking stuff like that, like. I don't know if this is just a unique year that it's presented because you've got two generational, you know, franchise changing players available in both sports, but I just think that like it's it's bad. Like it's bad when you're sitting here in the middle of the season when you should be enjoying teams competitiveness, you should be enjoying teams visions and you know, on a night to night basis between wins and losses and how that impacts their, their, their spots in the standings and you know, how you can better your team with trades. And we spend more time talking about the draft and what happens in the off season with this team. It's just it sucks. It's stupid. No, it, it does. It, it it but that's the way it is. I think this year is a little bit different because of the quality at the top of those drafts with Wembenyama with Bedard. But like I we're mean, not talking about teams making moves to get better. We're talking about mean teams that should be making moves to get worse. Like how yeah, is that are, good? There is that, and I mean, we'll be talking about teams getting better ahead of the deadline, including the Toronto Maple Leafs and the New York Rangers, teams that go head-to-head in Toronto tonight. And those teams will be making moves to get better, but there is a clear line of demarcation between the haves and the haves not, have-nots in both the NBA and the NHL, and that's more apparent than ever this season in particular. We'll talk to Frank on the other side. He'll be part of our broadcast tonight, Leafs and Rangers, here on TSN 1050. He's up next. This is D. Kaliakamo, he scores! To D. Toronto scores! With Kaliakamo. Kaliakamo, what a hit! And Corrado. With Aaron Karolnik. I'm a journalist now. Just imagine the sweat pouring off of Val's brother's body. Free falling! <laughs> I'm always curious what 20 fingers will put at the end of the sting for D to D. He never disappoints. Me singing Tom Petty's Free Falling. One of the low points in this station's 12-year <laughs> history. Uh, welcome back to Not First Stop. Aaron Karolnik, Carlo Koliakovo, and Frankie Corrado around the table for D2D. What's up, Frank? Not much. Uh, 20 Fingers, he might be running out of content for you there now. you got <laughs> to say some to dumb start... stuff here. <laughs> I do. I do have to say. I did once sing Africa by Toto, and that could be something um, put into next week's thing. So, Frank, big night on TSN. You and Carlo, Julia Tacheri. Part of the in-studio panel for the CHL Top Prospects game, but as you're well aware, I mean, the weather looking a little bit dicey this evening. The snow expected to fall. Potential of a slumber party at TSN overnight. You and Coco sleeping over there, much like our man Dave Naylor used to do. What do you think? No, really? Uh, The nail gun. So Dave Naylor used to host the morning show from, what, 2015 to 2017. And he oftentimes had things to do late at night for, like, the CFL. So he had a special pillow that he had and, like, a blanket. He used to sleep on a couch (laughs) at TSN and then wake up and do the morning show. Dude, uh, you can I used imagine to, why I he used was to excited take, to leave. <laughs> I used to, like back before the COVID years. I used to take naps at the TSN studios all the time when I had to do morning shifts and then, yeah, you know, afternoon shifts and stuff like that. But I've all you know Are what I've also pods? 
There's no nap pods, dude. We're talking we sh- about the TSN we- 2 studios, man. <laughs> Have you been to TSN before, Frank? Uh, not exactly. It was modern <laughs> of building. I don't even know when the last time those places have been cleaned. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. Uh, but, but yeah, Taylor uh, used to sleep there. I know you, you used to have naps in your car. I remember oh, a video dude, on my phone I've, of me like creeping in on you and taking a video of you sleeping. I've, Sounds kind of weird to say out loud. Yeah, very weird. Um, <laughs> I've dominated the car naps, man. Like pull over in a parking lot somewhere, take a nice little 20, 30-minute power nap, and just recharge the batteries. Yeah. I've had to do that. You know when I had to do that, Carlo, when, when I was playing? Sometimes we'd work out really early in the morning, but maybe you couldn't get an ice time until, I don't know, let's say 11. So it's not worth it for you to go home. So you kind of kill some time yeah. in like the arena parking lot, snooze it oh, for yeah. an hour. That was like classic in the summer. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. Sometimes I do it right before a golf round, too, where it's like you're stuck. Okay, what do I do for this, like, hour? Do I go home or do I just show up early and shut her down early in the parking lot and recharge the batteries for a golf round? Well, I, I'm glad you brought up golf because I'm sure both of you guys saw the story with Patrick Reed at the European oh, Tour God. event or whatever. What a, what a loser World, he is. The DP World Tour region. event. Where he wanted to go and chat up Rory McIlroy, see how he's doing, and Rory just snubbed him so hard. Had no interest in talking to Patrick Reed, who departed for the Live Tour. I don't know how much of that has to do with the Live stuff, or just generally Patrick Reed being a bad guy that no one wants to fraternize with. But Frank, yeah. I mean, we had our we had our beefs on the golf course this summer. I mean. As you past summer, when you, you ever when thrown you, a tee at, at when, AK like Patrick no, Reed? No, no, Frankie wants Frankie wants one ahead of us, you know, because he needed to I don't know, go vegetable picking with his wife or something. So he needed to really get out. There was a frost delay. Frankie's like, "Sorry, boys, you're on your own today." I yeah. would have thrown a lot more than a tee at Frankie <laughs> in that moment if I could. No, AK AK threw a tantrum that day. But uh, there's more tantrum. details. <laughs> there's more details coming out of this story. So apparently Patrick Reed wanted to say Happy New Year. He went over to. Rory and his caddy and said, Happy New Year. Last time I checked, it's January 25th today. The threshold for saying Happy Way New gone. Year is over. It's done. <laughs> if you didn't, I give you like 10 days. 10 days. The 10th. That's when you're done saying Happy New Year. So he was going over there to cause some trouble. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did Patrick Reed, did he not sue? Like, he's been suing everyone. Was Rory included in that no, at one point? No, I don't think Rory was ever included. But I think Patrick Reed's more interested in suing, like, broadcasters who have, right. <laughs> who have maybe chirped him in the past. I like, you know Brandel Chambly's got, like, yes. a $100 million lawsuit against him. Good Dude, thing hockey guy, players don't do that because this guy you might be out, looking at <laughs> He throws out $300 million lawsuits like it's nothing. Yeah, he's yeah. A, he's a clown. And throwing teas at Rory. That's not Oh, and then a good apparently news. so so the the latest out of out of the uh you know, the gossip mill is that he threw a tea at Rory or he he like underhand lobbed it, but it was a four aces tea, you know, his Ooh. team name. Oh, his team name. And wow. and he said, "Well, go aces." And he threw the tea. <laughs> oh, That's man. That is so good. Oh, such so a good. pigeon move. He's a pigeon. Yeah, but uh, is. you know what's a peacock? Did you guys see that video that Golf Town released yesterday of the solo golf cart? No. No. So it's like it's it's like a normal like golf cart, the one you drive, but it's a one-seater. Yeah. Could you imagine if golf courses start having those on the golf? Like, this thing, this thing was like a hovercraft. It was unbelievable the way it was. Designed. That technology, that technology what is to definitely you? progressing. 
what appeals to you most about that? The fact that it's a one-seater or the yeah. fact that it kind of like hovers and it, and it looks and sounds cool? fact that it's a one-seater, buddy. What, you don't want to like have some chats with someone? I like if the you're camaraderie with, with a, no. a partner in a golf cart. Okay, so no. AK, like you and I, we, we walk, so we talk for the whole 18 holes. Great right? chats. It's, Great it's, conversation. It's the losers. best. It's the best. We don't miss a thing. But if you're in a cart, essentially the only time you talk to the other guys in the group is at the tee a little bit at the green a little bit, then you don't see anyone. So if you're not going to talk to someone in your cart now, you're not talking to anyone for the whole 18 holes. It's you pretty spend, obvious. Car, you Carlo talk to hates people, the people he golfs with. No, That's you talk to the people on the tee box, and you talk to them on the green. You don't talk to them I would argue. Driving. I would argue that on the green, there should be a little less talking. Like, I find I leave putts out there because I'm like, we're talking too much. A-A-K? Great chats, though. You know, I, yeah. I can see that for sure. I think that's spot on. That's spot on. But, yeah, I, I think walking is the vastly superior option. And I'm not really interested in single-person carts, you know, the normal two-person carts. It's just the pull cart, the only thing I'm inter- interested in. Uh, <laughs> and, not paying, and not paying twenty two fifty for a cart well, fee. It's, yeah, if, if you're lucky, twenty two fifty. If you're <laughs> lucky, it's expensive. As Darcy it's, Tucker used to say to everybody. It's, it's a little bit expensive. So let's talk about tonight's game, Frank. It's the Leafs and the Rangers. You'll be on the pregame, the intermissions, postgame with Jim Taddy. And the Leafs, I mean, oh, you won't be. Okay, I guess you're right. Someone else will. <laughs> top prospects uh, uh, with Carl. Oh, yeah, whatever. Double up. Come on. You work so much. Seriously. We talked about you, me, him doing the, the CHL game. Yeah, at 1030. I thought he was doing both. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> the Leafs gave it seven. Frankie doesn't, Frankie doesn't work hard enough. I've said it multiple times that Frankie was part yeah. of the broadcast. Nobody corrected me. Thanks, guys. Taddy's but in going any case, solo. Taddy might Taddy's go solo going tonight. solo tonight? Oh, he no. can handle it. Oh, no. No, he's, not, he's, not, he's not going solo. All right. It shows how little I look at the schedule apparently here at TSN. But the Leafs, I mean, they've got a new group of forwards. They've got a new group of D-men. The, the lines and the pairings have shifted. I mean, do you think this is something that we might see for an extended period? Or think maybe a little bit of a trial run, seeing the Matthews band reunited with Marner, Bunting, and, and number 34, Frank? Yeah, I just think the way the way Sheldon Keefe has has run things this year and in the past, like nothing seems too set in stone. It feels like things are are somewhat fluid. And like I heard him talking a little bit yesterday, and even after the last game, how you know he makes an adjustment, he puts Willie back with John, and it's like they hit the ground running. And in in the past, that might take two, three, four games. It might take a little more time. So I just I have a feeling now, like players are are easily adaptable in that room, and and that's something that. The players individually have worked at, but as a team, you know, from a coaching standpoint, like that's something that you've probably tried to hammer home with these guys. It's it's be okay with change, be okay with being uncomfortable, and so, you know, now it gives you a little more wiggle room as far as how you want to deploy your team and and who you want playing with who. Listen, at the end of the day, if you have Matthews playing with Marner, you have Tavares playing with Nylander, as long as you're getting the results, as long as guys are being assertive, they're involved in the game. It doesn't really matter, you know, who these guys are playing with. It's not like, I, I don't think anyways, one look is substantially better than the other, where we're talking about this guy has to play with that guy. It's, it's just not the case. These guys have been so good at switching back and forth between line mates all year. Frankie, we've talked to a lot of people and have got their opinions on, you know, what this Maple Leafs mindset or approach should be in the coming weeks here. And I don't think we've heard yours um, what do you think this team needs to do between now and the deadline to make them get a different result against Tampa in the, play- in the playoffs this year? Because let's be honest, that's who they're playing. 
Yeah, I, I still I still kind of think it's a scoring winger. Like, that's still what I would like to see. But but at the same time, like, I also don't want to see them bring in someone with too much presence, if that makes sense. Like, I, I don't necessarily want anyone to to rock the boat or, or have too much presence in the locker room. It just feels like the, the team, the locker room, has really been turned over to these guys now, like Matthews, Marner, Nylander. I know Tavares is a little bit older, but it, it really feels like it, it's a changing of the guard in the sense that it's their room now. There's no, yeah. you know, I don't want to say grandfather figure, you know, but there, there's we don't have that, like, token veteran, that Thornton, that Marlowe. You know, Spezza was was great at it, and he was really productive. I, I think Giordano might kind of fit in that, but he's also, you know, it's different. He's a defenseman. He plays, you know, 20 minutes a night um, oftentimes. It just doesn't feel like he's part of that um, that older thinking, right, um, that those guys had. So it, it feels like if they could add someone within that same age range as, as the, the core players on the team um, – who can provide a little more scoring, maybe on the second line, maybe on the third line. I just think if you were going to add one thing, that's what I would be making a priority. I, I know there's probably a little more maybe depth on the blue line that people might want to see, maybe a little more bulk back there, and that's fine. Like maybe you can have both, right? right. But I, I don't think I just I don't think it needs to be a name value guy. Like I don't think right. it needs to have that big of a presence. I, I think, like, the other night when we were watching Seattle, I know it was a little while back, right? But, you, you know, you look at the way they built their team, and they have probably three or four guys that would fit the mold of what I'm thinking of for, for Toronto. It's like a guy like a Burakovsky, or, you know, there's, like, Yanni Gord, and they have Bjorkstrand, they have McCann. Like, that's just all on one team, and that's a team that's in the playoffs. So I'm not saying those are the guys, right? But it, it's that type of player that I'd be looking at. Like maybe that 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 kid on um, Detroit, that Kubalik, who, you know, he signed a two-year deal at just over two million because he had a down year, and now he's he's found his game again, right? So like, yeah. there's that's that's the kind of player I'd I'd be looking for. This is, that's Frankie Corrado, the veterinarian of Cowden Woods on D2D here on First Stop. Frank, we've been talking a lot about tanking this morning because Gary Bettman says not a real thing in the National Hockey League. You it doesn't exist. <laughs> right. Of the 2015-2016 right, yeah. Toronto Maple Leafs, the team that had the dignified tank, if you want to call it, the leader in goals for that year's team. Do you remember who it was, Frank? Uh, P.A. Parento. P.A. Parento, 20 That's goals guy, for him. P.A. Parento. I thought you were going to say big, Peter Holland. We're, we're big fans of P.A. Parento, no doubt, here on First Up. But I think what it says more so than anything, remember Kessel and, and Bozak and all those guys, they had really, really tough years. You were playing a lot of minutes for those teams. There was never any conversation in the room, like what was going on, right? Like with regards to the tank. <laughs> There was there was not a lot of conversation, no, about tanking, right? Like, I think there was a, a number of players, we got to a certain point in the season, there was a number of players certain, like, similar to my situation on a one-year deal or guys on two ways or guys still trying to establish themselves in the league that needed those games, needed those minutes in order to showcase what they can do and try and stick around in the league. And then you had guys with a lot of term who were, they, they kind of saw what was going on. Right. And they, we got to a point in the season where if you had a, a, uh, a hangnail, if your groins were a little sore, if maybe you had some bad sleep, it was like, 
we're thinking of putting you on the IR. What do you think? Right. And so <laughs> we, we, we had a point where it was like just a, a glorified Toronto Marlies roster playing. Um, and so, you know, for the players that went on the ice, yeah, we worked hard. We tried hard. You know, the coaches still gave us the, the meetings. They gave us all the material we needed to go out there and try and win. But at the end of the day, you know, when you don't have the personnel out there, and and it's it, it turns into a struggle, and that's exactly what it was. It was a struggle for the players because we didn't necessarily have the skill and the talent to compete with the better teams, and so we lost a ton of games, and that's kind of the way it went. And, you know, I think the way the season started that year, we were probably winning a little more than people in the organization would have liked, and then as soon as the, the all-star break hit, we just started making trades. That's all we did. Like, Dion was yeah. out the door, um you know, Roman Polak eventually left. James Reimer left. Like, all these guys started leaving the team, and then you're, you're looking around, you're like, all right, we understand what's going on here, but at the end of the day, we still have to try and play our best because we're trying to establish ourselves in the league. Yeah, it's just like Dave Poulin said, and anybody that's played the game would understand, too, that players don't buy into the narrative of tanking and losing. But no. this is clearly a... a, a uh, a managerial philosophy or maybe an ownership philosophy where if things aren't going as planned, you might as well put yourself in the best position to rebuild in the following year. And how do you do that? Well, you try to improve your draft position uh, to do so. And that means losing more games than win. Whether you want to call it tanking, whether you want to call it purposely losing, whatever you want to call it, there is a method to the madness. And Gary's just delusional when um, – he views it as, as as something different. But let's move on to some some uh, uh, maybe brighter topics because tanking is sort of depressing when we're talking about focusing on next season. The NHL All-Star Game's coming up, Frankie, and they've introduced some very curious and new, um, what do you call it, uh, drills or whatever, they the competitions that they that – they, there's a yeah, dunk tank, there's a, there's a chip-in putt or whatever they call it. What do you – how do you what's, – what's your feeling on the, the all-star game and the festivities that it does? And, I mean, I know when I used to play and they used to have their own team all-star or skills competition, it was kind of like everybody would show up hungover and be like, oh, let's just get this day over with because yeah, nobody was really much. interested. Yeah, that's how that's how that day was. I think I had a couple of those in Vancouver. Um, but this, I don't know. I, I think it's cool that they want to try new stuff. I think more people would kind of be interested in, like, it doesn't need to be a pitch and puck. Like, everyone loves golf. Like, all these hockey players love golf. Just show us, yeah. every, like, make part of the, the weekend just going and tee it. I don't well, know. It's like, like, it's don't like need... what football does, right, when they do their – their skills competition, whatever yep. they want to call it, at the Pro Bowl. It's like they don't even do football-related things. Yeah, it's just everyone Everyone wants to go tee it, and the guys that don't, you can find something for something else for them to do. Well, it's a good thing you're not at the NHL All-Star Game if there was a long drive competition, Frank, because we know you'd be <laughs> taking that one down for I sure. Know, also, man. a text coming in. Uh, was that Laurentian University when Frankie was playing for the Wolves saw him do some damage at the Grand Nightclub? Can you Ooh. confirm that, Frankie? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> All right, maybe we'll save it for next week's D to D Grand Nightclub stories with Frank Corrado in Sudbury. My goodness, that must have been something special in those days. Thank you, Frank. See you guys. That's Ciao. Frank Corrado. See you tonight. CHL Top Prospects game. Bring your pillow. Slumber party. Sleepover with Carlo Koliakovo. Javon Shepard, our Raptors analyst, on the other side. Back with more First Up after this. 
First up continues here on TSN 1050. The Toronto Raptors have had a couple days off. They played back-to-back Saturday against Boston, a game they lost. Sunday, a game against the New York Knicks, one in which they won. And now they've been traveling. They're heading out to Sacramento tonight to take on the Kings. And we head to our phone lines now to welcome back our good friend, TSN Raptors analyst, it's Javon Shepard back on the show. What's going on? Man, I'm, I'm here. I'm trying to stay warm. I'm trying to stay yes. warm, and, I'm, and I'm, I have some well wishes for these Raptors. <laughs> they, they're going to need the well wishes, Javon, because there's been a lot of news circulating with the Raptors over the last 24 hours or so. There was a report that a mystery team offered three first-round picks for OG and Obi. And I think perhaps more interesting to me is that Fred Van Vliet dropped his agent just two weeks before the trade deadline. And perhaps, you know, just two weeks before Fred Van Vliet figures out where he's going to be playing basketball for the rest of the season. What do you make of that story? I mean, I, I, first of all, I think it's just interesting times, right? This, this time of year is always fun um, and interesting and suspenseful because I think there's a lot of rumors that circulate. There's a lot of things that, that get put out there in teasers. Um, just teams actually just working the media, right, and, and just getting a feeler for what's out there and, and sending those messages to players as well. But from the Fred news, I think it's interesting because, you know, I, I don't think it's something immediate why, why that, that decision was made. With players, there's often a lead-up to it, right? So maybe there was, there was some miscommunication, some things that Fred wasn't happy about leading up to now, and this was the, the cherry on top. But I do think it's interesting timing, right? Because this is two weeks right before, and I think a lot of the, the rap, not just Fred, but the fate of the Raptors could be decided over this, this road trip right here, this stretch, these next two weeks, seven games, 12 days. So, um, you know, interesting times, right? I, I can't pinpoint what it may be, what it may not be, but I do know that there's something there that stirred it up. And obviously Fred is looking for something right now that, that he hasn't, he hasn't been getting from his representation. And it is crucial timing with everything going on. Well, I think you'd have to point to a couple things. The fact that uh, leaked contract extension talk from the summertime came out at the time that it did when he was having one of his worst seasons shooting the ball and the uncertainty of his future. I mean, the Raptors have to make the decision on him. And embarking on this seven-game road trip, this you know, what, what do you think is a better way to look at this a seven-game road trip that they're on. Do you think this is a, a situation or a road trip that will bring them together or will, the, will tear them apart? I think we're going to find out both ways, right? But I, I do know that right now everybody's being evaluated. Every situation is being evaluated. Every combination of players being evaluated on this roster, right? So it's kind of like the guys in the locker room, their backs are against the wall, and they've got to make a decision. Do we come together? And I think it's actually better to be on the road right now because it's it's – guys in that locker room against the world, right? And they've got to make a decision that, okay, you come together, you play well, you play strong together. We've seen their potential. We've seen the ceiling that they have. But they haven't been able to do that consistently, right? And that's been really, you know, the nail in the coffin for them this, this first portion of the season is like, well, guys, we, 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 we can do it. We have the, the, the personnel to, we have the roster to, but how do we do it consistently? And Right now they're in a phase where there's no excuses because the, the, the guys are healthy. Um, and now you have, a, you know, Fred was taking a lot of criticism early. Scotty was taking a lot of criticism early. But these guys are playing well. To get, they're playing well now, right? They're putting up good numbers, shooting good percentages. And that you, you've got to string together wins to, uh, wins, excuse me, to give the front office, give the fans um, 
some comfort, right, and, and kind of pacify them a bit. Because the reality is Toronto's had so much success over the last couple of years that we've, you know, the, the, the city's gotten spoiled, the franchise has gotten spoiled, and we've just set a, a, a high bar, right? So this dip after, you know, the 2019 championship, which, which happens to many teams, look at the, the Los Angeles Lakers right now, um, to be expected, but we're, we're, our bar is set high now, and that, that patience for it isn't here. So, yeah, there, you can you can sense the tension from fans against the front office and what direction is the team going, but you also have to understand, you know, it's not just what's going on in your locker room, right? You have to evaluate the market across the league, and what the market is saying today may not be the same in two weeks. It wasn't the same at the beginning of the season, right? And to, be, to decide if you're a buyer or a seller, you don't want to make a move that's going to just increase or improve your team marginally, right? Because from a front office perspective, that could that could set your that could set your team back, your franchise back, if you're just doing things that that only help you marginally. Javon Shepard is our guest. He's a TSN 1050 Raptors analyst. The Raps in Sacramento tonight. They take on the Warriors on Friday. On Saturday, they're at the Blazers. Then at the Suns Monday, at Utah, at Houston, at Memphis. Those are their seven games. Do you think there's anything the Raptors could do, aside from, I don't know, going 7-0 and on this road trip, which I mean, would be quite a surprise because they're 6-15 and on the road this year, Javon. Do you think there's anything the Raptors could do over this next 12 days that could fundamentally alter the way that Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster will handle this trade deadline? You know what? It's got to be. You've got to get. You got to see an energy. You got to see some team morale and uh, and winning, winning solves, right? Winning solves. So yes, would it be tough to go seven and zero? Absolutely. But if you can go on this road trip and you know come up with five and zero seven games, or you know six and zero seven games, even four and seven games, and you know then you look at the teams above and what they're doing as well. You know somebody may may have a losing streak over these these next couple of games, and then that changes. You know, the standings, that changes your, your trajectory in the season, right? Those are also things to evaluate. So you've got to go out there right now, and the reality is you, you have to win, right? There's no, there's no beating around the bush there. Um, that solves a lot of issues. Then team morale comes back, the energy, that enthusiasm comes back in your locker room. And then, yeah, there's, there's more to look at. There's more to, to really buy yourself some time. And I, I think, again, we also have to understand the market right now, midpoint season, is not going to be the same as it is in the offseason, right? More teams are inclined to make bigger moves, um, blockbuster moves leading up to the, the trade, excuse me, the, the, the draft, as opposed to midseason um, trade deadline. So there's, there's so much to evaluate from the player standpoint. There's so much to evaluate from coach's standpoint, from front office standpoint. But what the players can do is go out there and compete and have a level of intensity day in, day out. And that's practices included, not just the games. But yes, going out and, and winning right now. There's there's really no way around it. There's no way to to really you know soften the blow or, or pacify um, the fans or anybody because they haven't been able to do that over the course of the season. Javon, I want to ask you a personal question. And before the season started, my partner here, Aaron Krolnick, we had Bobby Webster on the on the line. <laughs> with us and he threw him the question basically asking him if he's ever or has any plans to scout victor when benyama and he basically scoffed right. at that idea should we should we play the clip chrissy you got it queued up there oh no he doesn't okay he doesn't have it queued up and it was pretty comical because you know here's a team coming in with way higher expectations but given where the team is at right now 
does the name Victor Wembanyama excite you a lot more at this time right now than just continuing to win basketball games? Well, guess what? That name, Victor Wembanyama, he, he excited me from the first time I seen him, right? So it's not just yeah. right now. He's one of those guys that's a, that's a generational talent right there. Um, and the, the stuff that he can do at his size, he's really a, he's just a combination of so many players at seven, what is it, seven two, seven three. I, I've never seen nothing like this, and I, I don't think we'll see. And obviously, we don't want to speak it, you know, too far into into existence, right? Without just letting him develop. But I don't know if we're ever going to see a talent like him again, right? And he starts to come into the league and and really apply his skill set and, and have it translate, right? But that's, that's what the lottery is about, like taking those risks. And if it pans out, you know, with your investment, they can really change the, the complexion of a franchise. But, no, I, I think that name excited me way before the Raptors could potentially be in that conversation. It's like this, this guy can, change a, can completely change a, a franchise. Let's play the clip. It's from October the 17th. Bobby Webster, the general manager of the Toronto Raptors, keep in mind – we had very different thoughts about what this team was going to be at the time. So you might be wondering, why is Aaron so remarkably stupid? You might be wondering that on many occasions. But anyways, here's how the clip sat from October. Bobby, how much time will you and your staff spend scouting Victor Wenbenyama? The seven foot four French kid, for those who don't know, who's ridiculous. If you haven't seen the highlights, Google him, find him on YouTube. He's going to go number one overall. You guys do have a first round pick. Of course, I don't think you expect to be in the lottery, but do you spend even a second so thinking about the possibility? Maybe there's a way we get Wenbenyama. That's another topic I'm gonna stay away from, but for all of you <laughs> basketball fans who don't know who he is, just you know, type in and see what he did in, in early October. He's uh uh, it'll be good for the NBA. Oh, I don't think there's any, there's no like, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You're not allowed to, I think he's allowed to talk about Wembenyama. He's not another team, right? No tampering, right? So, yeah, well, no tampering, I, but I'll, hey, Bobby, Bobby and Messiah, they keep their cards close to them, right? So, <laughs> but they're not going to give you much. They, uh, they won't give you much. So, you think maybe he's like, you know what, what is this guy talking about? We are tanking this year. He just doesn't know it. Oh, nah. <laughs> maybe that was it. It's hard not to, to, acknowledge that type of talent, that type of skill set, that type of size, especially in where the NBA is today. It's a finesse game. It's a scoring. It's a scores league. You know, so you have a guy at 7'4 that can put the ball on the floor, can step back, can fade away to his right, can fade away to his left. I mean, that's, that's he, something special. And he, I think he can excite anybody. Excite more than just a team. He's exciting the league, right? They're, they're covering his games. The NBA app mm-hmm. is covering his games all the way in France. Like, we've never seen that before. Oh, I know. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be something special when he makes his way to the NBA. I can't wait to see uh, our man Victor Wenbanyama suiting up at Scotiabank Arena next season. All right, that's some wishful thinking there, Javon. Let's see if uh, it actually does transpire. <laughs> Thank you for doing this as always. He is Javon Shepard, TSN 1050 Raptors analyst. We'll talk to you soon. You, Javon, nailed it today. He nailed it. All right, fellas. Yes. All right, dude. See you, pal. That's Javon Shefford. We tried to give him the nailed it thing, and I don't remember how that came to be last year. Well, we talked about we talked about you know giving um, Josh Lewenberg sort of a catchphrase of like yeah, a welcome, so, so. yeah, like a like a welcome you know greeting for us every time we talked to him. We came up with the word sup. Right, and then we tried to do that with Javon too, and he's like, "Oh, I don't really know." And I said, "What about nailed it?" And he's like, "I love it, I love it, nailed it." And 
Yeah. It's well, been a while since we chatted with him, so he probably forgot. It appears that is the case, but you know that's why we got to call on Javon Shepard a little bit more frequently. We've got our waste management open keyword of the day coming up at some point in the next 45 minutes. We'll tell you about the Hamilton Ticats making a big free agent splash yesterday in the Canadian Football League. And we've got Clay Harbour and Bobby Marks standing by in the fourth hour of today's program. Woo! Quite the finish to this Wednesday morning coming up here on First Up. We've got Clay Harbour and Bobby Marks coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Bobby Marks on the situation with the Raptors. We just talked to Javon Shepard, and, man, it's a difficult spot for the Raps. They find themselves in seven-game road trip beginning tonight in Sacramento. Yesterday in Hamilton, Ontario, Coco, Bo Levi Mitchell introduced and you might want to mute the zoom there a Bo Levi Mitchell was introduced by the Ticats as their new quarterback you know your family full of Hamilton Ticats fans was everyone excited buying Bo Levi Mitchell jerseys over in the Koliakovo Jazenko households <laughs> no man <laughs> we're uh Argo fans you're Argo fans now you've switched over yes Finally, I've converted the fam over to uh, the no. proper the proper team to support in Southern Ontario. No, they're they're obviously Ticat fans, and uh, I don't know. Maybe there might be a Bo Levi Mitchell uh, jersey that comes up at a certain birthday or um, the, the different event yeah. that you would open up a present for. Who knows? <laughs> we'll see. It'd be a hell of a gift. I mean, Bo Levi Mitchell's got a three-year deal with Hamilton. And a significant contract they gave to him, of course, coming over from Calgary, where he had so much success over the years. And he, we worked with uh, with Bo Levi Mitchell uh, at the Grey Cup the last couple of years. Unbelievable dude, like one of the coolest guys. Like I once sat at a table, Coco, for multiple hours with Bo Levi Mitchell, James Duthie, and Davis Sanchez. Mm-hmm. Does it get any better than that? Who's the Apparently odd man not. out there? Of course, that's your Duthie, that's but. your Mount Rushmore. Of, of it's pretty close. It yeah. pretty it's pretty close. Duffy, Bo Levi Mitchell, and Davis Sanchez are definitely on my Mount Rushmore. <laughs> people I like to hang out with, and that was nice. quite a night. And Bo, what did you think I about mean, you the hope move? He stays like, healthy. Like to me, like okay, he's a big name, but I I mean, if when you watch him play quarterback last year, isn't it safe to say that his time has passed him? Probably, but here's the thing about the Canadian Football League. There are no good quarterbacks there right now. Like, literally none. It sounds like McLeod Bethel-Thompson's going to retire for the Argos. Really? And, or at least, at least step away from the game. That's that's the prevailing So Chad notion. Kelly's so going to be the guy there? Chad Kelly, likely to be the quarterback for the Argos. And then you have like so many like middling options. So Bo Levi Mitchell. And you lost yeah, Nathan Rourke. He, exactly. So, yeah, is Bo Levi Mitchell what he used to be? Definitely not. The injuries, the toll on his body has clearly piled up over the years. The shoulder would be my biggest concern for Bo. But at the same time, <laughs> there's just not a, a bevy of options. So you may as well take the best of the worst. And I think that's what Hamilton did. That being said, he's a huge name. He's a great personality. He will sell tickets. Will he win football games for you? You better get a good defense, is what I would say, mm-hmm. if you're Hamilton. And I'm certain that's something they'll be working on uh, a lot heading into the CFL free agent period, uh, which is coming up next month. So some intrigue in the Canadian football league. You lose Nathan Rourke, but uh, Bo Levi Mitchell's back, at least as a starter in Hamilton. 
Well, look, uh, we're not too far from the CFL starting. I mean, the NFL season is uh, closing upon us, which means a couple months away we are going to be welcoming the CFL back, and I know you and a lot of other Canadians will be excited about that. But just to pivot here in some other news in the world, are you a fan of A&W? Sure. I like like the burger joint. Root beer especially. You get the burgers and the fries. All right. Absolutely. But I like it. There's a root beer literally right across, or an, uh, an A&W right across the street from me, and it is um, a place that we visit very, very often because my kids love it too. A&W just made an announcement yesterday. You know Rudy, the mascot? Like like Rudy spelt like root beer with a Y, so R-O-O-T-Y. That's, his, okay. that's the mascot's nickname. Well, in some shocking news, apparently this guy has uh, – the bear – Rudy the Bear has never worn pants in his okay. picture. And so it's just been him wearing like a sweater that has the A&W logo. A&W actually made an announcement yesterday and said, we have decided that Rudy will wear jeans now going forward. Not to worry, though. He will remain our, our still, he will still remain our official spokesbear. After all, he is unbearably cute and impossible to replace. We are confident Rudy will continue to champion good food and good times for many years to come. Now in denim. Did you even know that this mascot was even wearing pants? Is there a reason that these jeans... like, is What this do you think the can- reason was? The same reason why they're changing on? everything in the world. What? Like, who has an issue with, with Andy? A bear mascot? not wearing pants. <laughs> Gotta throw those pants on, Rudy. It's not like, you know, some certain things are flying out there in the wind, right? I don't think that's uh, part of the equation when it comes to Rudy, but. Yeah, that's that's peculiar. I don't know. People focus their efforts and energies on the weirdest things. Oh sometimes. my god! And I mean, like people, don't, it's don't a be upset cartoon about animal. <laughs> it's a cartoon animal that was wearing an A W shirt, but now he has to wear jeans. Now, I mean, you might think that's an outrage, and rightfully so. You know what else is an outrage? What Major League Baseball, or at least the Baseball Hall of Fame did yesterday, electing one guy and not electing others. We'll get to that in hour number four of First Up. And again, we've got Clay Harbor and Bobby Mark standing by as well. Let's get right to it here on TSN Radio.